Hello, everyone. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith, back again with Derek Terry. Derek, how are you? Sean, the weekend's here. It's yeah. TGIF. I'm doing well. Yeah, and uh, six Saturdays until Kentucky football. Is that right? Is yeah, that the hard, hard to believe. We're uh, one more, you know, we got this weekend and then one more weekend in July. I saw. Uh, uh, media day has been set thought it was a little strange sean uh media day on a wednesday i always remember it being on a friday in the times that uh i was there but even better right two few yeah. days you gotta wait to uh hear from mark stoops and the rest of the guys i think i remember one year that they have it on a sunday i believe it was my first year yeah, that i, yeah, I think the it, beat. they had it on a sunday i think that's right yeah i had a, a so. nasty summer cold uh <laughs> i remember that uh kind of like i do now so uh yeah, looking forward to it. Um, we talked yesterday about, you know, Kentucky being down there in Hoover. Like, obviously, Kentucky went on Wednesday. Mark Stoops, Chris Rodriguez – or uh, not Chris Rodriguez, uh, Kenneth Horsey, Will Levis, and uh, DeAndre Square. All those guys talked, and we mentioned during yesterday's episode that we would come back and talk about the predicted order of finish, which came out today. And – Sean, were you like me? I, I had fully prepared myself for Tennessee to be picked second in the SEC East, but a, a very close outcome. But in the end, the voters gave Kentucky the nod. How much did that surprise you? It, it surprised me. I thought for sure, given all the momentum that Tennessee had and and everything, you're talking about Hendon Hooker coming back. I, I thought that Tennessee would be at number two. That That's not where I would have was going to put them. I was going to put Kentucky at two, given the consistency and stuff that Mark Stoops has, has had there and the, coming off another 10-win season. Uh, and, and I like Kentucky's schedule. So I, I was going to put Kentucky there at two. Uh, but it, it did surprise me. I thought, honestly, I had a scenario where I thought Kentucky could be possibly as low as four in there, just uh, just mm-hmm. going off of where, where they would have Florida and things like that. But Kentucky got four first-place votes. Tennessee got one first-place vote. Uh, how about South Carolina with three and even Vandy got one. So uh, <laughs> a lot going on yeah. there. No uh, Florida and Missouri, the only teams in the East that didn't receive a first place vote, but no Georgia there leading the way at the top. And then Kentucky coming in at two and uh, same places that they were going into. Was it that were they two last year or three? Uh, three. In the three that's right. Yep. So uh, right there. I mean, just continuing to climb the ladder and getting some of that, you know, a few years ago, we would we'd be sitting here talking about, well, nobody respects Kentucky. Well, uh, starting to uh, to shift, and you're you're seeing now. Uh, heck, Chris Doring picked his uh, bold prediction: this Kentucky beats Georgia November nineteenth at Kroger Field. So, uh, there's a lot of preseason hype around this program, and it's not going to slow down, especially when you have them right there behind Georgia at number two in the preseason media poll. Yeah, I thought. I really thought two through five, more so two through four. I wasn't, I know South Carolina got a lot of love um, on the SEC network this week during media days, but I I didn't think many voters would, would put them any higher than four. And as it turned out, they were picked fifth, but I wasn't going to have any beef with Tennessee being picked second. I mean, they, they did beat Kentucky head to head last season. They have a lot coming back. I would have understood it. Um, but the way that it was predicted, by the final outcome by the media, that's that's exactly the order I would have had in the SEC East. I mean, Georgia's a clear favorite. They're the defending national champions. Their uh, recruiting has been on a level that no one else in the conference, uh, on, on this side of the conference, uh, is even close to. 
Um, so despite losing a uh, you know, a bunch of generational talent on defense, you still got to give them the nod and, and far and away, I think, uh, the nod. And then, you know, Kentucky and Tennessee, they were separated by three points. Kentucky had 932. Uh, Tennessee had 929. So another big thing, too, is – to me, like, if you're going to finish second in the East this year, I think you got to have a minimum of five wins, I would guess. And I think Kentucky's path – and, when, and if, if you're five and three, I mean, you, you could possibly split with another team. When you go back to 2018, Kentucky and Florida were both five and three when they finished second. Last year, Kentucky did finish second outright with a five and three record. So that's kind of how I feel like this year it'll be. And I think it's easier to find five wins on Kentucky's schedule versus – Tennessee like I think for Tennessee to get to five wins they're gonna have to beat um Kentucky whereas I think Kentucky can get to five without beating Tennessee because you know you have the road game at Missouri I think Kentucky will be favored home game against Vanderbilt and you know you really got to win the two at home against uh South Carolina and against Mississippi State that'll get you to four and, and at some point you know you gotta split one of those or well you got three big road games at Florida at Ole Miss at Tennessee if you just win one of those, you know, you can afford losses to Georgia and some others and, and be right up there for second in the league. Whereas, you know, Tennessee, I mean, I think coming into the season, you got to kind of already pencil in two losses in the league because they have to play Alabama every year. So you got to play yeah. the Alabama, the, the SEC West favorite, and you got to play the SEC East favorite. Uh, they're going on the road to Georgia and at home against Alabama. But I mean, Alabama would be my pick to win the national title overall this year. So, that's two. And then you're talking about their other West game is at LSU. And I don't really know how good LSU is, is going to be this year. I mean, I think Brian Kelly is certainly a better coach than what Ed Ogeron is. Uh, but they've had a lot of turnover, but they still have, you know, they've still recruited incredibly well the last few years. I, I would guess that will be a difficult game for Tennessee to win. So, I mean, you're already looking at potentially three losses right there. And that's saying, all right, they take care of business against everyone else in the SEC East. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I don't think it'll be that easy for Tennessee, but um, Florida, I just, I just don't really know what to think about them, man. They have like 34 new players or something like that. Fourth, uh, I thought was probably fair, and hell, I think you probably get a lot of people who argue that South Carolina deserved to be ranked above them just because Beamer does have some body of work. Plus, they've added some, you know, interesting transfers with Spencer Adler. I, I think the thing, if you're like a South Carolina supporter this year, is you're like, we went seven and six with a walk-on quarter or a grad transfer quarterback. Uh graduate student right they like pulled him off the the dude was supposed to be a coach right like a ga (laughs) so you know so you say hey we got the seven wins last year our quarterback situation no matter if you think rattler is a a bust in terms of maybe you know he had was the heisman favorite at oklahoma last year regardless i think any of us would 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 agree that he's going to be an upgrade so i think that's probably if you're if you're trying to get on the shane beamer bandwagon that's what you're looking at and and you're saying, hey, these guys have brought in a lot of new players. we got a, a potential star, a quarterback, if things work out. So I get that. And then with Missouri and Vanderbilt, I mean, Vanderbilt, I don't, not, I don't know who voted them first place. Clearly it was a joke. But Missouri, until they have a QB situation that we're aware of, uh, I mean, it's hard for me to pick them to probably win more than one or two games, actually, in the, in the league. Well, we're, we were talking about Kentucky's schedule, and that, that was the big reason why I would have put them at number two behind mm-hmm. Georgia. And when you look at the schedule, the toughest game, obviously, Georgia. It's at Kroger Field. It's late in the year. I mean, you you have no idea what scenarios and what situations those two teams are going to face up until that point in the season. Uh, we, we don't know what things are going to look like, injuries and, 
and everything else that you know will definitely play factors when it comes to uh, the pecking order in the division and in the SEC and winning games in general. But when you look at the schedule, I just don't see that one game where I just circle it, say Kentucky can't compete and couldn't have an opportunity to win. If I if I did, it would probably be the Georgia game. Mm-hmm. But you would think that they're in a position this year to compete at a you know a better ability than what they were last season like this isn't the same Georgia football team that just won a national championship and it's at Kroger Field but when I look at the other games on the schedule we know that they all I mean obviously Tennessee and Knoxville will be tough Kentucky did win the last time they put that they played there I do think that that'll be an evenly matched mat, uh, a game for Kentucky a game that they can win Florida on the road we know that that's a game that Kentucky could possibly win I think it'll be under a touchdown underdog if they are an underdog in that matchup on the road at Ole Miss. I mean, there's there's not that that one game that you look and mm-hmm. say, well, Kentucky can't win it. The same way that you were talking about Tennessee's schedule and Alabama and Georgia and those things where you just don't see them competing and, and winning those games, I don't see that on Kentucky's schedule. And, and that's the thing that stands out to me why I think that this could be another big year for this team. You know, we'll, we'll go through here in a little bit, not, not today, but in a later episode and do our season prediction game by game. I have felt myself – I'm not going to – I mean, I'm going to say it. I'm, I'm going to pick Kentucky to beat South Carolina, Mississippi State at home. But I have felt myself shift uh, a little bit in the sense that, like, I don't want to speak for anybody else. I, I feel like maybe because Kentucky's done so well at home against those teams and South Carolina in general in the Stoops era that it's almost like we've, we've put that in as a, as a, as a game that they're going to win really no doubt about it. And I'm not quite there with – like, I think those are both going to be pretty tough games. One thing I do think could be in Kentucky's favor, especially for the South Carolina game, is if the start of the season is going as well as we think it can, that will be the first true game, I think, at home that really gets people fired up. Because you you have the you know, season opener, people will be just really excited, just like always, start of a new season. It's going to be a sellout probably. Uh and, and people want to come out and see this team start off what we hope will be a great year. So, I mean, you always get a lot of excitement for that game. But then you got, uh, you know, I think it's, you know, they got to go to Florida, obviously, the next week. But then the next home game, it's Youngstown State, right? And yeah. then Northern Illinois. I mean, games that you would expect Kentucky to win. So, you're talking about playing five games in the season before you really get to what you would call a big-time home atmosphere. Because they, you know, you have the two SEC road games and the three home games against non-power five teams. So I do think that that game, if it's you know South Carolina's, maybe they got a tough start to this, to the season. But if they're playing pretty well, and you know, regardless if they're playing well or not, it's going to be the first home SEC game that I think people are going to be really jacked up for. And if they win that one, then obviously it just kind of carries over. You know how it is every season. You know, every week the games get bigger and bigger the more you win. So I do think that will be in Kentucky's favor. But those two games are kind of starting to scare me. Just a little bit, but I, I still feel like the overall talent on Kentucky's team and just the schedule overall, I think they're going to find a way to get to at least eight wins regardless. But, Sean, I think we've officially reached the, the first time in the Stoops area. You, you mentioned um, – or I think you mentioned this, but last year I, I want to say when they were picked to finish third last year, I think it was the highest that ever been picked to be finished uh, or in the, since they went to the divisions in the SEC uh, East and West. And then obviously this year you're getting picked second. To me, if you're getting picked second, you're looking at probably a projected record of what nine and three, five and three in the league, something like that. Yeah. Um, 
So you're talking about a point and a half to go eight and four, four and four. They failed to meet expectations in the preseason, which will still be just the, if they, if they went, if they were to go eight and four, just say hypothetically, it's what they finish eight and four. It'll just be the third time since 84 that they've won, you know, more than seven games the regular season. Yet we'll be looking at the, or I shouldn't say we, I mean, you just never know until the season plays out and kind of how things went, but like they've kind of reached that mark now that when you get picked this high, like Kentucky has, I feel like they're a team that it's easy to look at and say down down the road that you know maybe they disappointed if things didn't quite go the go the way they wanted it to. Does yeah. that make sense? What I'm saying? Well, it, it does because we talked about that going into last season and things, and I think even after the season was over, we've like you've changed the benchmark of what is accepted mm-hmm. at Kentucky. And at one point, eight and four, people were celebrating and, and printing T-shirts and everything else. But if they go eight and four this year with all the hop that's surrounding this team, heck, if they'd have went eight and four a year ago, I think that fans would have been disappointed and upset. So it seems like nine and three is the mark for a regular season. But if they ever can push it and get to that 10 and two, and they were so close to doing that a year ago, if they hadn't let that game versus Tennessee slip away at Kroger Field, uh, I mean, you're just, you're sitting there thinking, you know, where can this program go if they keep doing that? But it, it's it's yeah. definitely the expectations of what quantifies a success is has definitely changed and it's changed in the last five years significantly and it's it's hard to like just throw a blanket thing and say all right well if they go eight and four they they didn't meet expectation i know i just said that like i'm I'm, i was trying to talk like how the sec and national media will probably talk about this program like to me i think i think if kentucky's not playing with i think when georgia comes to town in November, if that game it doesn't mean something, then I think people are going to say Kentucky season was a was a disappointment. And I don't know if that's totally fair because what I mean by that is, I mean you could have a scenario where Kentucky goes, I don't know, let's say six and two in the SEC, and you know they could be uh, sitting at a spot where they're nine and two, but then what if you lose a little? You know what I mean? Like there's just so many scenarios where you'll feel like maybe you left something on the table. What if they drop one of those games to Mississippi State or or uh, South Carolina? But what if they go on the road and beat Tennessee? You, you know, just how do people feel? It's it's always so tricky to just kind of say a blanket. If they go 9-3, and three, then everybody's going to be happy because, you know, last year they, they went 9-3, and three, but had – how many people left that season feeling like they should have won 11 games, though, you know? Yeah. So that's just how it goes. Um that's how it is for every team. There's always, unless you win the national title at the end of the year, there's always going to be a some what ifs in a season. But uh, in terms of some accolades, Kentucky didn't have a ton of guys uh, on the All SEC teams. You had Chris Rodriguez uh, earn second team SEC honors at running back. You also had Kenneth Horsey, uh, an offensive lineman who uh, was named to the second team. And then a surprise to me, Sean, just because KJ Jefferson is really one of the most talked about quarterbacks in the league, but Will Levis was the third team SEC quarterback. So he had uh, Bryce Young, obviously the, the Heisman uh, Heisman winner as the first team guy. And then on the second team, you had Hendon Hooker, who I mean, looking at Hendon Hooker's numbers, it's, it's really hard to argue anybody else second in terms of, in terms of the production he just had, but were, were you surprised by Levis being third team? I know Levis is a big name and he's been projected top 10 pick and some of these things, but in terms of kind of the same deal I was talking about with, with Hooker, if you go look at, KJ Jefferson's numbers, which I don't have them in front of me. I think he turned the ball over very rarely uh, and, and had a very good season last year. And, and plus, Arkansas is you know kind of one of the darlings of the of the SEC West coming into the season. 
It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Honestly, I'm not surprised. Uh, I kind of thought that he would actually sneak in and maybe get second team. Really? And I think the reason it's third is because of all that off-season hype that we've talked about. Like, who's the quarterback name in college football that everyone's been talking about coming out of nowhere? It's Will Levis. He started showing up on all these draft boards and projections. I think a lot of times, if, if and, and, and with the SEC media, you have those media people that vote on this that, I mean, I, I'll admit, I don't know every single thing about Georgia football, and I don't know every single thing about South Carolina's program. And, and obviously, we have people on this show that, for those reasons, to come on and talk about those teams who are beat reporters that cover them. So I think that, in a sense, that you can kind of get mixed up and in, into the buzz yourself and think, wow, like, if, if everybody has him as a first-round pick, that he has to be on one of these three teams. Not saying that he doesn't deserve to be on there, but I definitely think that things like that play into it and if you have that much hype coming into a season for a guy it, it, to me it would be kind of surprising if he wasn't on first second or third team when when you're talking about the off season I mean it's been since February or January you've been seeing Will Levins pop up it feels mm-hmm. like every two weeks somebody's writing a story about him or putting him oh, on a draft board somewhere yeah, yeah there's no doubt about that uh, no one from the defense uh, was named to the OCC team the way that the SEC does the voting, I think it's just – it's tough. I mean, you have – they group all the linebackers into one, first of all. So, you know, it's not separated by inside or outside linebackers. So, probably Kentucky's strongest unit across the board. You know, if you if you do want to throw in both those groups, both the edge rushers and the inside backers, I would say it's, you know, one of the strongest units on the team, certainly on the defense. Uh, but that's also the case for a lot of teams. There are a lot of good linebackers in the SEC. Um you know, I thought I thought JJ Weaver had a case, and I wouldn't be surprised at all if he's on the postseason all SEC team. But going into the year, that might give those guys a little chip, um, because it is interesting that if you listen to kind of the commentary around the league, uh, you know, ultimately nobody selected Kentucky's guys to be on any of the all CC first through third teams yet. Everyone's kind of expecting, you know, it's a Mark Stoops defense; they'll be pretty good. <laughs> so uh, that is interesting. Um, but, yeah, no, really no other big takeaways for me. And in case you haven't seen this, I know we haven't talked about the SEC West. Uh, we'll throw them in there. Alabama picked to finish first. Texas A&M was second. Arkansas third. Ole Miss fourth. LSU fifth. Mississippi State sixth. And Auburn seventh. So, Auburn getting picked seventh, Sean. Go ahead and expect that they'll just have a crazy good year. That's how it always is. When, when no one thinks Auburn will be good, they, they're always good. Uh, but as it pertains to Kentucky, like we mentioned, they play at Ole Miss and against Mississippi State. So based on the preseason rankings, you're playing the fourth and the sixth 
projected teams in the West. Uh, but again, the West is always considered to be a, a deeper, more tough league. I mean, if you if you put Auburn in the in the East, they're probably fifth, right? Minimum. I mean, they'd be ahead of Missouri and Vanderbilt. I they would, think. would be. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at that too. Uh, you're you're obviously talking about Arkansas there being that that trendy pick and stuff, and you're you're seeing the success mm-hmm. that they've had uh, start to pay off there. But you're right, Kentucky draws Mississippi State near the bottom of the projections. Uh, I believe they were near the bottom at last year as well, weren't they? And uh, ended up being they might have been picked last, and right because I remember talking yeah. about the FBI having them top ten, and I think they might have been picked last in the SEC and West. Kentucky Kentucky played its worst game of the season when oh, it yeah. you know went to Starkville, but but you get the two Mississippi schools, Ole Miss there at four, uh, depending. And, and, and Ole Miss is one of those teams you look at that you could see them go up. You could also see them drop a bit. Or, uh, honestly, it wouldn't shock me at all if they stay, if they do finish fourth. Like, that's one of those teams I'm looking at that I could I could see kind of all over the place that I really don't know a ton about. Uh, that game with Kentucky on October 1st probably swings it one way or the other. That's one, That's a huge swing game for both teams. Uh, in my opinion, but yeah, Auburn at the bottom. Every time it seems like Auburn's at the bottom, they end up having a really good year and maybe uh, on the verge of a playoff appearance or playing in a national championship game or something. Uh, it's a it's a program that's hard to kind of figure out. But the thing uh, about we'll, Ole Miss, too, uh, you know, our, our uh, former, you know, someone I'll be cheering for this year. Certainly, I don't want to speak for you. I'm sure you will as well, though. But John Summerall at Troy, you know, his first. Yeah game as a head coach will be at Ole Miss on September 3rd so you know they got a, a Sunday game there to or yeah that's on a Sunday right oh my bad sorry Saturday <laughs> I was thinking September 2nd Sean uh was the start <laughs> of the season but it's September 3rd so yeah a 4 p.m kick there uh in Oxford but the point I was trying to make is there's a very good chance um that Ole Miss will be undefeated when Kentucky goes down there they play Troy at home they'll be favored then they play their FCS game against Central Arkansas they do play Georgia Tech, so they have their Power Five game. But and Georgia Tech, depending on who you talk to, there's some people that think you know with Jeff Collins there, kind of on the hot seat that that you know he's had some time to get his, a roster in there though that that maybe they'll be a, a little better than expected. And then they play Tulsa. I would I would expect that they'll win all those games. And then for Kentucky, you know, similar schedule. Uh, only difference is they played an SEC game before on the road at Florida, a game that I think Kentucky could certainly win. So. I think there's a world where both teams are four and for that game in Oxford, which would be really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely a scenario there where both teams are in Kentucky. If they get that win at Florida has a great opportunity to be four and but yeah. no, it's, uh, when it comes to the sec champion, Alabama, the overwhelming favorite there, 158 points, Georgia right behind them with 18 points, but then it's South Carolina Vanderbilt, which we know is a joke and, uh, Texas A&M. So, uh, yeah, somebody decided to go to sec media day and fill out a ballot who knows who it is and uh, put Vandy as uh, winning the SEC. So I, I don't see that happening, but uh, we'll definitely entertain it. Uh, did, maybe Vandy did that themselves. I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I think, I think you're just looking to try to get one. I, I, I don't know where it would come Sean, but I do think Vanderbilt will win a, an SEC game this season. Um, and I was actually just thinking about them not too long ago. Isn't it kind of odd how well Kentucky well, I shouldn't say it's odd. I mean, you would expect to play well against Vanderbilt, but Kentucky always seems to play very well in Nashville, but yet the last few games on Lexington have not been easy. No. Matter of fact, I want to say they've all been one-score games, haven't they? <laughs> the last three. Uh, I know they'd have a goal on stand in 2016. 
or uh it was it 2016 yeah yeah 2016 because they played on their own 2017 44 21 uh in 2016 they'd have a goal on stand if i remember right they were thrown into the end zone at the end of the game 2018 you had to have the big josh allen strip sack at the end of that game and then 2020 kentucky really played well for most of that day and the final score ended up being a little closer than probably what the game was but i do think the final score though was a, was a one score game so I don't think Kentucky's going to fall victim to Vanderbilt this season at home yet. It just kind of, I don't know why that is that, that the game at home has seemingly been much tougher against Vanderbilt than going on the road. I mean, these games on the road have been basically over by halftime. Yep. They have been. And it's, uh, it's definitely different, uh, which we know the two, when you go, when you go on the road at Vandy, it's actually a home game for Kentucky. There's, there's way more Kentucky fans yeah. in Nashville than there maybe is. Maybe that gives that. them a little bit of juice. I don't know. Maybe that Kentucky goes on the road and you know, you're not going to have to face a hostile it's a pretty, environment. It's a relaxed environment. It, is. Like it, yeah. it just doesn't feel like there's any type of pressure from the crowd whatsoever. And uh, I, I remember the game there a few years ago, well, the, the season, the first season where they went with 10 wins and it was the, the wind was blowing into the point that they couldn't even throw the football. So that was an ugly game. Oh, I terrible. think because of the the weather, and then obviously the the COVID year, there Vandy had that run in on that just kind of hanging around and kind of had Kentucky fans a little concerned. But yeah, it, it is weird how close those games in Lexington have been under Mark Stoops, but the opposite on the road. Well, at least since two thousand after the two thousand fifteen season. Yeah, I mean that's what I was thinking. Like you never expected Kentucky was going to lose any of those games at home to Vanderbilt, but yet it was never. That was one of those games, I want to say, uh, Bo Allen got in, right? That's whenever he – He did, yeah. Yeah, that's when all those guys made their debut. So, yeah, they, I mean, obviously the, the 2020 game had gotten to the point where they were playing the, the second teamers, but I was just going off final score. I think it ended up being kind of close. But, uh, Sean, is there anything else you want to – want to add before we wrap this thing up i'm i'm working over here i don't i don't think i have any hot takes uh on here i I would say too we've only got a few minutes left before this runs out but uh just the number of transfers though man who were on the first team you had jameer gibbs who's at alabama now but came from georgia tech jermaine burton flipped from georgia to alabama he's a first teamer and then osiris torrance was one of those guys that came from louisiana with billy napier um second team he had sort of the same deal uh or sorry, third team. Tyler Steen is probably a familiar name for people in the league because, or for UK fans, because UK recruited him. But he he went from Vanderbilt to Alabama. He's on there, so he's a guy who stayed within the SEC. I just thought that's kind of interesting, and and should be expected, I guess, given the the transfer situation now. But um, pr- pretty interesting stuff. I kind of thought Tavion Robinson might have had a case to be on one of these teams, but I I get it, I guess, to an extent um, that he wasn't. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't have any huge hot takes or anything like that. I, the thing that stood out to me was Chris Doring coming out and saying that he does. He thinks that Georgia goes to Lexington on November nineteenth. That's not Florida, and man. He just can't. Uh, he's not gonna give the dogs any credit right there. He's gonna. He, he's he's always liked there. Kentucky too. He like he, he's always been. Him and Peter Burns both have been the guy. It feels like ever since I've been covering the beat Shit. that have been. Uh, Peter Burns is the ultimate SEC hype man. He's gonna he pumps up every yeah, and, team. He loves and, everybody. And, the, and he's got the stash rocking right now yeah, too. Solid. Yeah. Solid. Yeah. Two. He's. I'm gonna grow a stash before the season starts. 
I'm gone. It's brought everything back. It's brought the mustache back. It has. But, yeah, we're uh, two straight days here, two straight football episodes. I'm sure we'll keep it continued with some position previews. Like Derek said in the beginning, too. Yeah, the the Bahamas coming up here very, very soon. So we'll definitely have some – some basketball content coming your way. Obviously, some commitments right around the corner here. Does Kentucky add a piece to its 2022-23 basketball roster? That seems to be uh, very likely at this point as well with Kingsley. So, a lot is happening before it all starts happening. So, uh, we're definitely grateful for that as we end July here and move into August. But as always, the show is powered by Blue Wire Pods. It's also powered by the Butcher's Pub, three locations, Palmville, Williamsburg, and London, Kentucky. You can visit thebutcherspub.com or check them out on Facebook. He's Derek Terry. I'm Sean Smith. We'll catch you next time on Kentucky Daily. 